welcome to Two Idiots Podcast. My name is Matt Little Dick Traxel, and I'm Ryan Horsemoney Johnson. Have you ever heard people refer to uh, blowjobs as hummers? Yeah, I've heard that before. Okay, let's get started. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. Now we're on the same page. Let's go. <laughs> let's let's cut through the small talk. Get this going. <laughs> Yada, yada, yada. Okay, okay. <laughs> no eating. <laughs> the loudest thing you could eat. No, oh, no. Chips? Light bulbs? No, you, you get those stuck in the corner of your gums and you're like... <laughs> what, these? Yeah. I do that? Yeah. Let me take one more. Let me just wolf these. Why don't you just shove them all in your mouth? Yeah. And I'll go ahead and press record and we'll release a uh, ASMR version where people can just hear your lips. <laughs> What's that acronym? ASMR? I don't know. It's it's some stupid thing. Uh, autonomous sensory meridian response. That is not what I thought it was. Damn. Okay. I, I knew it was something stupid. Why don't you buck up? I can't. What? I'm grumpy. Yeah. I'm grumpy right now. Yeah, you are. You got... Need to wake up. Need to get up. You're not going to eat the raisins? No, I don't like them. You're just the going to leave them there? No. Wait, the raisins is the healthiest part? Um, what, sugar? No, it's fine. How about you just throw the wrapper and the raisins away so we can continue? No. No, I'm, li- I'm literally... No. I'm not doing that. Where did that beer from? Oh. Oh, you didn't bring any for Coach? <clears throat> Thought about it. But then I you quit. realize you're a bad friend and I quit drinking it. over uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Wow. Yep. <clears throat> Three days of sobriety. I know. Hey, man. I had a rough Saturday night. I hit a eight night. years two days ago. Really? Yeah. What happened? What, you got to take us through that. I want to hear that. Let's let's start there. Let, we need to we need to dive into a Matt story. Get some of this. Are we recording? Yeah. It's, it's been recording the whole time. <laughs> get, I want to hear when Matt quit drinking. So what was your drink of choice? Um, I mean, I would drink almost anything, but I liked clear liquors, uh, preferably um, rum or vodka. Yeah. I'd usually get the cheap stuff, but if I ever got anything nice, I really liked, um, um, oh, fuck, Sailor Jerry's uh, cherry rum. Wait, that's nice. Yeah, it's really good. Really? Yeah. Have you never had sa- sa- no, Sailor, Sailor Jerry's? Jerry? Was I always thought it was like a ripoff of Captain Morgan? Mm-mm. No, he he's like a a different thing, and it was like a little bit cherry. It was did good. you did you ever try a uh, semen bobs? <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! I can't. Did you ever try? Uh, it was very. It was too creamy for Pirate me. Pirate Lloyd. Pirate Lloyd's. Pirate Lloyd's. Sailor Jerry was some Navy guy who was really good at tattoos. Yeah. Pirate Lloyd's, the bottle had a yeah. beard. Really? Yeah. Yeah. What else can you tell me about it? I want to know the rich backstory. Oh, it was Oki. Okay. No, no, no. I want to know about the man. I want to know more about Pirate Lloyd. Where he sailed. What were some of his adventures? Where he sailed. Who were some of his Look, crew? Matt, I honestly think it was just, <laughs> it was a, it was a ripoff. Yeah. Okay. Um, I also went through a wine phase where oh. I would drink. Um, and so this was also part of the, uh, like... Tricking myself yep. because, you know, alcohol, there's a lot of studies that talk about some health benefits to alcohol, yep. which are fairly dubious. Um, 
And there was moderation for sure. Yeah, as in like one glass a day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Not a bottle or yeah. two bottles. Like you drink a bottle of beer, you're done. Any yeah. more than that, it's it's no yeah. longer beneficial. Yeah. And five percent. Yeah. Like yeah. low percentage. Right. Yeah, and if you're a woman, half that. Right. But like so I was drinking wine because wine has resveratrol in it. Yep. And so I was like, well, what wine has the most? Oh, Pinot Noir. So yeah. I would drink a lot of Pinot Noir because oh. it's healthy. Okay. But the thing is, is to get enough resveratrol trawl out of wine to to get the health benefit from it, you'd have to drink uh, like 500 gallons. Oh, seriously? Yeah. Like there is almost nothing in it. Like right. if you want to get the benefits of resveratrol, eat grapes yeah. or other plants that contain it. Like right. um right. uh capers and th- <laughs> capers. There's there's some other types of weird fruits yeah. and vegetables that have way more of that shit in um, there. Um I was uh, so I drink a lot of IPA and I was like saw some headline that was like turns out hops are actually good for your uh, your liver. And uh, then so I got on some forum and some guys like, yeah, that's kind of true. Uh, you would need to give yourself cirrhosis in order to drink enough to have benefits from the, the hops. Like, yeah, it's not it, you're getting micro my, like nothing. Like take a breath of air in New York City and it <laughs> negates anything you just. Yeah, did. it's that's that, that's how a lot of like. Things that are generally unhealthy, they'll find some aspect of it that in a different way is healthy, right. and they'll advertise that. Right. Um, the one I have found that is r- pretty rock solid is um, coffee. Coffee well, is... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's that's reversing the effect of the bad thing. Coffee, in all ways, is pretty good for you. Yeah. Well, that's what's crazy. Is like, So uh, my mom went to the doctor. She's been having some... like tremors she wakes up at 3 a.m with these tremors and she's like my god do i, do I have cirrhosis or something she's like because she probably she probably drinks three scotches a day like you know a two-finger pour with a splash of water on top it's like oh, okay she's 75 now and um you know on friday night she might have a glass of wine along top on everything else and it's like well you've been at it for a while like let's check your liver out and she went to the doctor and she's like i can't make sense of these results so i looked at her metabolic panel and her liver is in fantastic she's got the liver of a 19 year old uh teetotaler 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 whatever she's got the liver of a you see her liver walking by in the street you 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 do a double look that thing works out um and it's like mom how much coffee do you drink a day oh probably like a 32 ounce thermos worth every day Oh my god! Let's let's be clear that it's probably more genetics than the coffee. You think so? Because there are people who can smoke until they're ninety and they never have any problems with their lungs. Right. It's my grandma. Yeah. Yeah. So, I think that would be a dangerous precedent to say, "Hey, drink as much as you want, as long as you drink enough coffee, you will have no adverse well that's effects the, of the alcohol." That's what the head of hepatology for Harvard Medical School said. He said, "You can drink almost as much alcohol as you want to, as long as you're drinking about five cups a day of coffee." Yeah, I'm skeptical of those claims. Yeah, he's an idiot because he's head of Harvard Medical School and uh, you, liver expert. You have a what real a problem. Of, what a moron! Um, but old old doc worker Dinkins. Someone, doc worker someone Dinkins. will have credentials. <laughs> yeah, and you will say, "Oh, well, this one guy has credentials." But if there's like 95 percent of everyone else who has equivalent credentials who says the opposite, you're like, "Well, nah." I'm going to go with this one guy who has credentials. Uh, who has equivalent credentials? Okay. This, this is probably hard to go into right now. So I want to get back to your drinking. Um, but let's bookmark that. Let's pin that for later. Sure. 
so when when would you start drinking? What time of day? It depends. Depends on the day. I, I, I usually wouldn't drink at work unless we went out for lunch or something. Yep. Then you get home, angry. Majority of the drinking would be after my wife went to bed. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you'd really cram it in. Oh, yeah. And I would stay up way late. Mm-hmm. I usually go to bed at 2 or 3 a.m. every night. Mm-hmm. And what, just yell at the TV or? I drink and play video games. Really? Yeah. Um, and then you woke up at 7? Uh, I would go to work later. Okay. Eight or nine, depending how shitty I felt. Some days I'd go in late, call yep. in sick, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, okay, okay. So then you you would drink, if you were classy, rum or uh, red wine uh, for the resveratrol. Resveratrol. Um, so then what, so you're, 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 you're blasting through alcohol for probably eight years, decade? Mm-hmm. Yeah, almost. It wasn't quite a decade. Started around 19 heavy and went until about 24, 25. Mm-hmm. About six, seven years real strong. Okay. Um, then your nights of consumption, you start consuming at three. And I, you've told me before that you, you could you could do a fifth. The, th- usually on the weekend, if I drank during the day, I, I could go through a bottle. Yeah. Yeah. But a night, uh, Of liquor. A, a night was half a bottle. Um, a third to a half. Yeah. Yep. And that's over the span of like four hours. Yeah. Not too bad. It's a lot. It's a, yeah, you know, what? it's quite a bit. I think and and uh, when I was doing wine, I would usually do a bottle at a minimum. Yeah. And one of the smaller ones, like the 750 mils. Um, if it was a weekend, I could eat like a whole, drink like a whole liter and a half. The one of the giant bottles. Yeah. Get more of those antioxidants. Oh yeah. Super healthy. Yeah. Um, I um, I was watching this uh, this Vice documentary about um, a cult called Love Has Won. There's a cult in Colorado, about twelve people. Um, that uh, the leader, his name, her name's Amy Carlson, and uh, they call her Mother, Mother Goddess. Sure, she's nineteen billion years old. Sure, and um, she wow, is, she's older than the universe, right? And she. Uh, did she say who that's how old she is? Yeah, that's what the followers said. Sure. Um, she, it was just video clips of her drinking uh, vodka with water and screaming that everyone was uh, like a piece of shit or like a gar- piece of garbage. Um, one, of the, one of the cult followers was uh, abused emotionally and made to sit in a like dark room because he brought her um, uh, meatballs instead of chicken parmesan. Uh, for dinner. Um, and then there's one guy like, so she's had a series of boyfriends that they call father gods. And these are guys who just come alongside and I don't know. Banger. She, yeah. They end up as lovers. And then there's a, you know, then, so anyway, she's gone through a few of those. And, uh, one guy's like, yeah, we, uh, he's like, I landed in Colorado and, uh, you know, I got, I watched one of the, they, they live cast on YouTube and they'll heal, they'll heal cancer through the videos and all this stuff. And anyway, he found it through this live cast, landed in Colorado, and then like stepped into the house. And he's like, it seems like everyone was on a mushroom trip and they hadn't slept for days. Um, and so he's like, I felt really weird about that. And he's like, I spent about 10 months as like their father god. And he's like, Amy was great, except for right about after dinner, um, she would uh, she would drink eight or nine highball glasses of vodka. 
and then just turn into a complete raving maniac. <laughs> and then it's just it's just video clips of her being like, "You're a fucking piece of garbage!" Like just screaming at people. So then, um, uh, you were drinking. Why do Why do you think you were drinking? Um, I'm predisposed to it. Uh, addiction runs in my family. Um, unaddressed mental health issues. Uh, a lot of problems with my my parents, specifically my dad. Um, depression, fa- family issues, predisposition, all those things balled into one. Yeah. And then take me through when you quit. Um, well, I mean, I don't know. It's a, it's a hard thing to describe. Um, there was this night, it was, I guess it was, it was a weekend. I think it was a Saturday. I had been drinking most of the day. Mm -hmm. I mean, this isn't like the first time I had ever caused trouble while drinking with my wife. Right. Right. I mean, we had been married for a year at a minimum at this point. Uh, maybe two years. We've been in our house for for a couple months. Um, it had been a problem for a while. Okay. Um, but Sherry, as kind of like a a codependent victim, um, kind of that mentality. Yeah. You know, she always hung around and stayed and dealt with it. Right. Um, this one night in particular, um, I drank. I drank over a bottle of rum this day, and because I started drinking in the morning on a Saturday, and then by the evening it was a real mess and she got mad at me and she'd scream at me and get upset. And then I, I don't remember much. So <clears throat> most of this I've heard secondhand from her and her family, but God, I can't imagine a, a bottle like, yeah, that's bananas. Like I, I y- that is a- almost oblivion. Oh yeah. And the, th- and what's weird is, um, and I, I think it's this way for most alcoholics, but it was for me, especially, um, the more you drink, the faster you black out. Hmm. Like your your black hole, your blackout threshold gets lower and lower. Really? Yeah. I wonder what that is. So, um, yeah, it's not like your tolerance really gets higher either. Right. That's that's kind of a, a right a myth you can tell yourself. Okay. I mean, maybe it did get higher. It's hard to say because the quantity I was drinking, but I was blacking out more and more. Whether that's because I was drinking more and more, I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the blackouts happened all the time. Yep. Uh, towards the end. But so like, apparently, um, uh, we got in a yelling match and she locked herself in our bedroom and I punched a hole through the door got it. trying to get to her and she called her family for help. She called her sister and her brother-in-law for help. Yeah. And then I called them and tried to convince them that Sherry was drunk. And oh wow! apparently I was convincing enough that my sister-in-law believed me. But they were so confused, they came over anyway. Yeah. Um, and clearly, I was the one who was drunk, and then right. my mother-in-law came over, and uh, I don't really... See, I don't remember any of this. Yeah. So this is all stuff I heard the next day. Yep. Um, but then, like, I remember at one point crying with my mother-in-law, and she was, like, talking to me. It was just... It was a fucking disaster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, imagine one of the worst things that could happen with your in-laws and this was like it no i feel like you i feel like there's things you know well it's, I, it's definitely I, bad if 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 you have one weakness right yeah and it happens to be in my case it was alcohol yeah right what's the one thing you don't want people to, to do oh, you don't want them to know about it got it not got only it, do they it. know about it right they're it's like up in their face dealing with it i mean it, it was what i needed but then like 
Um, the next morning I woke up and like a lot of mornings, I just wanted to die. Yeah. Because you feel so fucking terrible. Yep. Um, and then I had to go and clear the driveway because there had been a snowstorm. Oh, so there was like a foot of snow on the driveway. I didn't have a snowblower yet. Yeah. And I felt like death. And I was out there cleaning the, the driveway for hours. And um, just I had a thought that I didn't have to be a piece of shit. Yep. That maybe I could, you know, be a productive member of society. Right. And that was just kind of a powerful thought that stuck with me. Yep. And I ended up getting into a, an, inten- an intensive outpatient program mm. um, at uh, the local Compass Clinic where I met who is now my therapist. Oh. Because um, she, she ran that IOP. And it was, it, was, um, it was very interesting. And then after I did that IOP for a couple months, I went to AA, which that was more just, I don't know, exposure. I didn't really uh-huh. get much benefit out of AA other than hearing people talk and hearing their stories. Right. I got a sponsor, which him and I were just friends. We never really did any of the right. activities that you normally do. Like French um, kissing. Yeah, I, I, I got sober through the IOP. It wasn't through AA. Yeah. Right. I mean, we would. That's that's like the opening ceremony is the French kiss. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> um, I, uh, I did you ever? Did you ever? Do you think you you were at any point alcohol dependent? Mm, it's hard to say. Were you shaking when you didn't have a drink? <clears throat> well, a lot, a lot of things describe uh, withdrawal as alcohol dependence. Okay. Because that's what withdrawal is: is your body wants more alcohol. Yeah. Um. So I, I don't know. I, I didn't have any DTs when I quit. Yep. Um, so I, I, I got this week uh, obsessed with this dwarf named Hank the Angry Midget, or dwarf. I guess the difference between dwarfs and, and midgets is, this clarified it, is like midgets are proportionally, they're proportional, they just are small. Um, dwarfs are like, you know, normal size head, small body, uh, kind of bow-legged, you know, that kind of thing. Um so Hank, the angry dwarf, was uh, a chronic alcoholic <coughs> and started drinking in the mornings. Um, and uh, he got on the Howard Stern show because he spent a night drinking in New York City and then stood out in front of Howard's sh- uh, studio and was wearing a Hawaiian lei and drinking a bottle of rum and screaming about something. So they had him on the show. And he just had like four years of being on Howard Stern and became famous because of it and um he had a i don't know it, it was a it was such a he he was a angry drunken dwarf but like when you got to hear him talk and when he would like express himself you were just like oh man like this this guy is awesome and he is drinking away some insane pain like and the to the point where like i just think about what your body goes through when you wake up you don't, you don't really sleep. You wake up at 6 a.m. and start drinking beer and then slowly move your way into, um, like, one liter soda bottles filled 75% with vodka and the rest is soda and just finishing three of those throughout the day. Just like, I... And so you see him on the Stern show and he's, like, talking and just shaking. And Stern's like, you're not going to live very long, are you? And he's like... I don't care. I don't care if I die or not. Like, he's from Massachusetts. We had that, like, sort of East Coast, uh, you know, Boston kind of. Um, but uh, I don't um, I forget what, what, you know, what happened to him in his childhood, but there was something um, bad that happened to him. That's why he drank. But he was died at 39. Um, 
of a some kind of uh, uh, nervous, like, I mean, it's just alcohol dependence, essentially. But they were like, oh, he definitely has cirrhosis and some other stuff. Um. <coughs> yeah, I, uh, I haven't really been able to speak to other um, recovered addicts that much. Yeah. yeah. Um, at least none who are like me. The other thing I had a hard time with AA about is it's very God-driven, um, yeah. which was another thing I used to keep myself out of AA for a long time. Um, that's actually, I've actually thought about starting like an, an, an AA for atheists yeah. to try to get people like me uh, to go to it. Yeah, triple A. <laughs> um, but like for me, it was, it was uh, almost a symptom of despair because you, you kind of get yourself into these ruts and it won't make sense to a normal person, but mm-hmm. you convince yourself that you're worthless and you're not worth being sober. Okay. And so not only are you not worth being sober, but like the worst things you do while you're drinking is yeah. more reasons for you to drink because okay. it's more ammunition for how shitty of a person you are. Mm. So you just, with each act of being a shitty person, it's just more ways you can convince yourself that you're shitty and you are not worth, you know, the effort to try to clean your shit up. Yeah, it's recursive. Yeah, absolutely is. Yeah. Um, you just dig the hole deeper and deeper. Right. And and then <clears throat> if you ever do have a good day where it's like, uh, you know, you wake up and you're like, oh, I can't do this shit anymore. You know, I got to stop. I got to change. And it's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do all the shit that I haven't been doing, you know, because mm-hmm. you've been just drinking, playing video games. It's like, I'm going to mow the lawn. I'm going to clean the gutters. I'm yeah. going to fucking wash the house. I'm going to sweep everything and vacuum. And so, like, you get halfway through that. You know, you've spent, like, four hours making a lot of progress. It's like, man, I'm doing really well. I'm going to have a drink. I should treat myself. Right. Yeah. So you have a little drink. Right. Yep. Hour later, you're fucking smashed. You're not right. cleaning anymore. Right. That happened. Oh, that happened all the time. Yeah. I mean, it, it's one of those two. It's... I'm done. I'm going to make a change. Treat myself. Or you're not worth it. Just just have a drink, you piece of shit. Right. Um, you have this little this little voice in your head yep. that's just trying to get you to drink more. Right. Uh, to some degree, like, for me, like, I, I've never, I've never classified myself as an alcoholic, but, like, maybe a heavy drinker. Like, you know, two, three beers a night. And I don't know if that's, like, an American standard or, like, I don't, who knows. But, you know, probably two times, once or twice blackout drunk in my life. The The yeah. best way to know if you're an alcoholic is that you know if you are. Yeah, I agree. Like, I think the thing that I've always... So I drink so fast. Everything. Coffee, water. Get a beer in front of me. I'll drink it fast. Then I'll drink another one because I like the feeling, right? Um... It's great. Well, it does. It does. It's warm. Um, it's unconstrained. It's uh, optimistic. I liked the um, the the getting out of my own head. Yeah. The kind of not worrying about the things that I worry about. Right. The being detached from reality. Yeah. Yeah. Um, then, I mean, for me, it's it's more when I am when I'm so so I have periods of going without alcohol and just like I don't need. I forget about it. Like, you just forget about it. Like, I remember um, I had a friend who went vegetarian in high school, and I was like, oh, do you ever find yourself in the meat aisle? And he's like, no. Like, I, just, I forgot it existed. It's not an option. And 
alcohol can be the same way. You know, sometimes, like, I'm someone, if I do drink, I overdo it almost always because I'm like, I'm here. I'm not going to have a beer. I'm going to have three. Like, that's what I'm going to do. Um, and that's kind of my, like, last night I had a glass of wine and a beer. And I woke up this morning feeling awful. Like, just awful. Like, why? Like, because I, I had been without it for several days. <coughs> um, but I was like, hey, I'm having a glass of wine. Why don't I have a beer? Uh, so, anyway. Um, Generally speaking, the easiest way to know if you're addicted to something, and this applies to literally everything, yeah. is, is continuing the behavior in spite of negative consequences. Mm, okay. Yep. Yeah. I think you're, I think those are some good definitions. You've probably thought through quite a bit of this stuff. Uh, yeah. Uh, and I think that, and, and that, that could be anything, right? You whack off too much. You run too much. Right. Do you watch too much TV? Yeah. Drink too much, smoke too much. Like right. if any of those are giving you negative consequences that you continue to do the activity, regardless of those consequences, then you're probably addicted to the behavior. Right. And then I get poetic. So when I'm, so I, this is what happens to me. When I haven't had alcohol for more than a day or two, I get so, my energy levels go through the roof and I feel great. If I drink two days in a row, like just a couple beers a night, uh, my, I get like, I don't know, it does something in my nervous system. I can't figure out what it is. Well, it actually get, damages your brain cells. Does it? Yeah. And so I get sort of like, well, like kind of angsty and whatever. What? Oh my God. That's insane. See, this is what I'm interested in. Is the averages like, you know, across the board, it would be, oh, everyone come drink 10 point. This is an interesting infographic. So for those who are listening, like there's a. Which is everybody. Yeah. What? There's somebody watching. Yeah, there's no one watching. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry. For those listening. Yeah. yeah for those listening. Well, I mean, okay. Uh, for the people not in the room, yeah, we're looking at it. We're looking at a uh, graph entitled "Time for a Stiff Drink," and, and it is a distribution of um, the amount of alcohol adult American adults uh, consume, sort of per categorized by uh, what is these t- qu- deciles? It, it's split into ten percent chunks. Yeah, ten percent chunks, um, and yeah, the top. The top, the top decile is um, drink seventy three drinks a week. It's it's almost like the My wealth in, in this country. Yeah, it's probably the wealth is. Uh, I would say the wealth is probably the wealth drinking is probably across the board. You don't think I? It, you think that I think the poor is over on the right. The top ten. No, 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 no. What I mean is like the top ten percent has most of the wealth. I know top ten percent drinks yes. most. Of the and drinks. I'm trying to correlate them, but like, yeah. Yes. Um, <clears throat> I mean, there are a lot of high-functioning alcoholics. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Yes. Right. Right. So with me, I will, I will, I will be off. I, I will not drink for a period of time, and I will get so inspired by life. I will be like, I do not know why I need anything other than the air I breathe and my perception about life and I can create art and I can be a great dad and I can do all these things. And then I'll see a Charles Bukowski quote. Do you know Charles Bukowski? No. Okay. He was a poet in LA. He's also a writer. And he, he's quoted as saying, uh, I wonder, I wonder if the local, you know, the clerk at my local liquor store ever wondered what happened to the guy 
who came in hung over 360 days a year, how he's doing now. And he's like, he drank probably a couple bottles of wine a night for, you know, since he was in his 20s. He lived to be 74. But, um, like, he has these quotes about, like, if you are not pushing life to the limits, if you are not completely, like, he's like, don't settle for mediocrity. Push things. He also called beer a lover. He's like, beer's a fantastic lover. Like, push yourself to, if you settle for mediocrity, they got you. Like, society got you. Um, push yourself. And so he didn't condone drinking necessarily, just being extreme in certain ways. And that's when I'm like, oh, damn it. I want to have a drink and, like, feel inspired. You know, like, that's what I want to do right now. And so that's what will get me is I'm like, oh, like, I've, like, this feels... I feel good, but I also, am I settling for mediocrity right now? If I'm like trying to be a good dad and blah, 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 like live a responsible life, like it feels uninspired. So that for me, that's the two sort of camps is, are you inspired? If you're inspired, then you're, you know, I'm probably drinking. I'm probably, but then I just don't really do anything with it. But if I'm, if I'm sober or I'm not drinking, I can, I actually am more productive in art and and my thinking and my you know philosophy about whatever I'm thinking about. Um, so I don't know. It's it's uh, that's sort of how things tease out for for me in hmm. terms of. Drinking. It's funny because I used to convince myself that I was better at certain things when I was drinking. Yeah, but it's just a trick because you're worse at pretty much everything when you drink. Really? Yes. It's a full body suppressant. It. It makes everything you do slower and worse. Okay. Hmm. Um, Alcohol is about the only drug that affects your entire body. Okay. Really? Mm-hmm. The whole shebang. The whole shebang. I sometimes I also think about those like monks in like the dark ages that were drunk all the time. You know, like they were like, wouldn't that be fun to just be like slugging back beers with a bunch of your brethren at the monastery? Cool, cool bald haircuts, <coughs> just yucking it up. No commitments. No women. Other than to the Lord. And beer. And beer. Yeah. You got um, Jesus turning that water into wine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give me some suds, J-Dog. Although for them it was probably Buddha or... Who? The monks. Most monks weren't Christian. Oh, no, no. I mean like like fr- like monastic monk. That's Christian monks. Catholic monks. Oh, th- those are lame monks. Buddhist monks don't drink? Yeah, because they're cool. Okay. Wine was invented 6,000 years before the birth of Christ, but it was monks who largely preserved the viniculture in Europe. Huh. Monks in a cellar. Joseph Haller. Hayer? Haller? Oh, man. Look at those monks. Chunky monkey. Chunky monks. Everyone's like, hey, get another. Hey. Hey. Um, beer is good. I feel like beer is so, like, ah, like taverny. Like, I love a taverny feel. You know, like, there's the people with the, the, the like, you know, sitting, drinking their liquor, the sad, the sad salesman, right? Pork pie hat down around his eyes, sipping the, sipping the, the hard liquor, you know, the clear stuff, semi-clear stuff. Then you got the like, hey, the Vikings, and they're, they're yucking it up, having some mead, some beer at the tavern. What the fuck are you talking about? Clinking mugs together, (laughs) howling it up. You're you're basically describing you just memes, huh? You're just describing memes. I mean, they're memes for a reason. And then so that led to your quitting 
shoveling a driveway turned you around? Uh, I mean, yeah, I, you, you could say it that way, or it was the culminations of seven years of self-misery and yeah, it right. just happened. How do you navigate all that stuff now? You talk to a therapist? Uh, yeah, I actually still see the the lady who ran the IOP as a therapist, but alcohol is not really a problem anymore. Yeah. It's not something that, like for a long time, because um, <clears throat> I used to sneak off to go to gas stations or to the grocery store. He's like, oh, hey, I'll go get groceries. Yeah. And I would always take out the trash. Yeah. So hide all the bottles, bring in new bottles. Like there was a whole, it was a thing. Yeah. Um, Where there's a will, there's a way. Yeah. And uh, it was a habit. And so then for years, I'd say two or three years, every time I go to the gas station, I'd, I'd look over and I'd see the aisle. Yeah. And it wasn't a desire to purchase, but the thought would go through my head. For sure. It's like, I would normally buy a bottle right now. Right. Um, and that happens less and less. Right. Like, it'll still happen maybe once or twice a year. Right. Where I'll like see, like, oh, I would normally get a bottle right yep. now. But yep. as far as like craving, those don't happen anymore. Right. It's been long enough. Uh, the first, I'd say the first year was kind of rough. Yep. Um, but after that, the cravings were kind of gone. And then it was just more behavioral and working through my shit. Yep. Like the, the therapy helped a lot. Um, and, and I see that as such like a sacred thing. Like the, like people who, you know, I remember in high school, if someone was like, yeah, I'm not drinking. Be like, Fucking pussy. You know, like whatever. And now that someone's like found the root of, you know, because drinking's a symptom, right? Of something, a deeper thing. And... Someone who's like, no, nah, I can't drink. Don't I mean, don't want to. You know, don't even think about it anymore. It's just like, oh, why don't you come out for a drink, man? Because I remember when we first met and like, we went to some burger place and I was like, hey, you gonna have a beer? You gonna have a beer? And I was like, and you're like, oh, I'm more of a wine guy. I'm like, oh, well, you know, get a glass of wine. You're like, oh, well. and um, it it didn't register to me that you weren't a drinker, but like, there's uh, what do you want to call it? Like a covenant that you've made with yourself to be like, I don't desire that anymore. I don't need that anymore. And so is there, do you feel like there's temptation there at all to drink? Yep. Um, you see some, you know, you see some really cool guys having, having alcohol or you see some cool gals. Luckily I never liked beer. So that, that was never a temptation. Right. Um, beer's got, makes you bloated. No, I just think it tastes gross. Oh, love it. I'm obsessed. I don't like the the bitter. Yeah. I mean, now now that I love tea, that might have changed my palate. Um, but yeah, when I drank, I never liked beer. Yeah. Um, but as far as like being tempted, not really. Another thing that helped is um, like almost all of my friends were alcoholics. Yeah. And so after I quit drinking, I had to kind of stop hanging out with them. Yeah. But periodically, I would go hang out with them and... Um, I would make an effort to not drink Mm because it'd be hard because they'd always be drinking. But then when I would see them get completely hammered and shit faced and just be kind of awful to be around. Yeah. um, And I realized that I was funnier when I was sober. Yeah. Because I would tell myself for a long time that I was funnier when I was drunk. Yeah. um, Which was not the case. Okay. uh, Because I'm still kind of a lot sober. Yeah. I can attest to that. So I don't know. It, It just... I don't really have that temptation yeah. to, to become like a, a, a blubbery mess. Right. And like that feeling of like two or three drinks in yep. where you just have that buzz and everything feels great. That is an amazing feeling. Yep. Like if, if I could have that all the time, I would. Right. But I can't. Right. I biologically do not settle for that feeling. I know. I have to go past it. 
Yeah. Um, like I'm having a beer right now and I think I could, uh, here's my, it's, it's reasoning and logic that get in the way. And that is, well, I had a beer. I'll probably have a couple beers tonight because today's, you know, I already broke the mold. You know, I already, I already, I'm already, I stepped into that realm. Better take advantage of that realm while I can. And so tonight will be two beers or whatever. Um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, there's an interesting lecture or whatever presentation I got to share with you, like how it doesn't matter right now. I'll, I'll, we can talk about it some other time. Um, <laughs> and that was our intro. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Just a light conversation. <laughs> right, right. Um, I mean, th- there's, there's way more to talk about, but uh, yeah, that's probably enough. Well, um, one of the things I talked about earlier in the week that made me really angry, um, <laughs> was when I got a delivery from DoorDash. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, so I ordered some food from a local Ecuadorian restaurant and by local, it's like, it's, it's 12 miles from my house. Here's- so I ordered it. I, I went through DoorDash. It was my first time. And I I left him a tip of 13 bucks. Um, yeah. I, I think the bill was like 35 or something. Okay. So that 13, that's not bad. But I was like, this is 12 miles. I wonder how much extra he's going to get yep. for having to drive, you know, all the way here and however far back. Because, you know, we can't assume where he's going to go afterward. He shows up. And I was talking to him. I was like, hey, uh, if you don't mind me asking, how much did you get paid to drive all the way out here? And he's yeah. like, oh, well... I received $14 for this order. And I was like, so you don't know how much you could pay from uh, DoorDash versus how much I tip you? He's like, no, they don't split that out. And I was like, well, I tipped you $13. So they gave you $1 for driving 12 miles. And then I handed him 15 more dollars. Oh, my God. And then he's like, yeah, apparently they work out uh, contracts with the restaurants. And then the restaurant agrees to pay like a flat rate. And everything else is just tip." He's like, some are better than you would expect. Like McDonald's is always a minimum of five bucks because McDonald's will always pay the driver five bucks for a delivery yep. and then plus the tip. Right. And just for some reason that made me really angry um, just because I think the entire tipping economy we have in this country is bullshit. Okay. Most countries, um, when whenever they pay for a service industry, they don't tip. And so when they come over here, and most exposure is from people from uh, the UK or France, because there's some YouTubers I watch are from the UK or France. Mm-hmm. And they're like, I never know who to tip or how much to tip. Yep. And it's just a way for employers to pay their employees basically garbage wages. And you're totally reliant on the, the generosity of others. Okay. Like if I hadn't have given that guy a good tip, it's just a dollar that you would make. Right. And it's like, well, maybe they wouldn't take the order, but do we even know that that's, that's the case? Like we don't know how people get told to take orders. Like maybe they don't even tell you how much you get paid until you take it. I don't know. It's just, Mm. it's it's just a stupid system. And my mom was a waitress for years and, um, she got paid like $3 an hour and the rest was in tips. Mm -hmm. And it's just, you know, some days she would basically make a wage of four bucks because it's a bad tip day. Yeah. And some days it'd be really good, but that wasn't all the days. Right. And it just just seems like such a broken system that people are so reliant on the generosity of other people. Um, Whereas the employers could just pay them a better wage. Like, why why does that randomness have to apply? I wouldn't say... So I think the framing on it for me is, like, not generosity, but... uh, it's 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 probably applying the market mentality to something that doesn't merit it 
I don't know. Like, oh, the, I'm sure it's like, oh, well, if, if they were a bad waitress, you know, right. you should give them a good tip. Right. Well, some people just don't tip. Yeah. Even if they do fantastic. Right. So what message does that send? Yeah. Like, the, whatever argument you could make of like, oh, if they do really great service, give them a great tip. Right. Sure. Why don't you give them a great wage? And if they give great service, then how about a tip? How about that? Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, the, so I, I have been, this isn't in all cases, it depends, but I've been matching one for one whatever I spent with a tip, with a, a tip and a dollar tip, right? So haircuts 15 I tip 15. <laughs> so I go to great clips and, uh, it was, shows. Yeah. I was talking to my mother-in-law while I'm wearing a hat. So yes, it shows. Um, so I was talking to my mother-in-law the other day and I had gotten a haircut and she's like, Oh, hey, nice haircut. Like, who do you go to? Uh, great clips. And she's like, Oh, who cut your hair there? I'm like, whoever's not on their smoke break, <laughs> like they're <laughs> like thinking maybe I have some stylist. Like, it's like, Hey, who's, uh, is is Angela in today? Yeah, yeah I yeah. want to see Angela. Yeah, yeah. Give, who's not smoking? Cut my hair. Yeah, <laughs> like like you. Yeah. Uh, I'll just sit out back where they are smoking, and <laughs> right, they can right, cut my right, hair. Right. Um, but uh, do that one for one tipping. I was like, God, this is so. My life is okay. I haven't been laid off. A lot of you know, going to great clips. I'm like, how's business? They're like, not great. People, you know, if they don't, we're in a pandemic. If they don't need a haircut, they don't get it. You know, it's not, it's not like a, you know, going to the hospital or getting a lawyer or something like, uh, so I was like, how, if, how's tipping been? I, that was a, so this is more, we were at a restaurant. I was like, how's tipping been? She, like the server's like, you'd be surprised. Like people are not like, she's like, it's all or none. Like it's, people are like, we're, we're so grateful for you. We don't want you to close. We don't want you to, you know, like struggle. Here's a hundred dollar meal. Here's a $50 tip. Yeah. Right. Other, she's like, and I can't imagine like someone just being like zero, nothing. That happens a lot all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm, it used to make my mom so upset. Yeah. Cause a lot of the times the people who didn't tip were the biggest fucking assholes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. They would take the most of your time. Yep. Demand the most of you and then give you nothing in return. Right. Right. The Karens. And there is no obligation for their employer to to help them with that situation. Right. Because that's just what you agreed to. Right. Yep. I mean, and that, that goes into the whole fucking new gig economy we have. It's a way to take normal hourly jobs and give them this bullshit tip infrastructure and no benefits. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a brilliant ploy by employers to say, oh, work whenever you want, and we just totally exploit you. Right. And there's always like going to be one guy who's like, oh, look at Joe over here. He's making uh, $180,000 a year and he loves it. Yeah, right. he's he's the 0.1%. Yeah. Um I remember I was in uh I was in San Francisco or I was in Silicon Valley in or no, I was in San Francisco and we got an Uber or no, it was a Wings. Do you know about Wings? Mm-mm. So they just drive from the airport to a place and mm. back. That's all it is, Wings. So that, that is a market. Um and this gal I was like, oh, I've never heard of this service. Like, this is cool. Um, what do you make? Or I didn't ask her what she make, but I was like, how are things? Like, how's the, how's the economy? She's like, oh, I used to be a, um, I used to do nursing or like, a, I used to be an operative nurse. Like, I would help the doctor in the operation room. And she's like, I'm making way more doing this. And it was in Silicon Valley, so it was like, the prices were insane. You know, it was something like 70 bucks to drive to the airport. It's like a, you know, 10 mile ride or something. But, um, 
it was cheaper than a taxi for some reason and it was nicer and all this stuff. But, um, yeah, there are those cases where things, I always, you know, I, I never really understood what was going on with Uber and, and whatever. I mean, I don't know. I think there is, I don't know how to think about it. Um, it's complicated and I, I, I know there's pros and cons, but <clears throat> I, I mean, when I was in San Francisco uh, and Brandon bitched out because you broke his leg, mm. um, coach. Yeah. Yeah. Coach and I were going to go to San Francisco to go to a tech conference and he broke his leg. Yeah. yeah. Quotes. Convenient. Yeah. Yeah. Convenient. Just like the code jam he was going to go to me with and ditched out this fucking yeah. guy, but he followed me here to LT. So that's something. Yeah. But like I was there and I had a lot of rides with Ubers and all of them were talking about how uh, they couldn't afford to live in the city because they didn't make enough money. Yeah. You know, a lot of the times the trips could barely cover the gas because the roads were so bad and there was so much congestion. And it's just like these people were working all day long struggling to to make it. Mm-hmm. It was nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think that um, and they had no health care, right. which is cool. And it's, oh, well, they, they just get a government plan or something, right? It's just, like it, it, it's crazy. Right. Um, yeah. I, I mean, Uber how- made an app. Right. That's it. That's all Uber did, is they made an app. No, Uber, Uber, Uber provided a solution to a problem that no one was seeing yet. I understand that, but effectively all they did was make an app. Um, that, that is their cost. Yeah. Hmm. So the 90th percentile Uber driver in Des Moines makes 50K, and the average is 35. Per hour, that's awful. And that's no insurance. And yep, yeah. that's no insurance. Yeah. And I'm sure the hours, yes. like, yes. I, I wonder if you could factor hours into this. I mean, I, I, this is, yeah, this is the result. I wonder what the... So, and the thing is, is you can work for Uber and Lyft, so... Yeah, I mean, a lot of people have both of the stickers, and some even work for a taxi company too. Really? Like they, yeah, they just do all of them that they can. Hmm. Yeah, so you could make more, probably working at a Wendy's. Yeah, and get benefits, and you could probably get some benefits too. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's just I, I don't know. I feel like it, it's such a strong argument for why we should have a government health care, mm. because then at least all these gig workers would have health insurance. Um, which is something. Yeah. Because then, then then, I think some of the arguments about why it kind of sucks goes a bit away. Um, but I, don't, I, I still just don't like it. I, I don't like the fact that they t- the companies take a, quite a bit of the sum of the actual fee, mm-hmm. and, then, and then the tip has to be reported on taxes. Yeah. Which is crazy. Yeah. Like, like maybe even if you made it so the the, the tips weren't taxable, yeah, I, I yeah. feel better about the tip. Yeah, but yeah. you fucking get tipped, you tax on your tips. Right. It's crazy. The gov want them tips. Uh, oh, hey, you're making $3 an hour, but you get some tips. So, uh, yeah. So however much the fee is, Uber gets 25% of it. Yeah. Which I, I bet you that is a huge profit margin. Um, So. Huge. I mean, that that gets down to like. So I think we've lost a little bit of, you know, I've heard Bernie Sanders say, ooh, like, healthcare is a right. Um, it's, it's the things we fucking talk about as rights are like gun ownership is a right. Uh, free speech is a right. Like, these things, what, it, what else? Uh, a living wage is a right. Like, and I, what was I watching? God, there was something, 
Um, oh, there is a movie called The Twelfth Man. Have you seen that? Mm-mm. Okay. Well, there's this guy that is. It takes place in Norway. It's it's a real beast to watch because it's you know, in Norwegian. But um, there was a there was a convoy or envoy. I don't know whatever. There was twelve guys that were uh, spies in the German army. They were Norwegians, and they had become saboteurs or something. And they all got arrested, but one guy. There was they were caught at the border, and they were you know taken and executed one guy got away and he goes through the most fucking harrowing it's it's a real story it's a true story he goes through the most harrowing thing i've ever seen in my life uh hiking through the norwegian mountains in the winter with his toe shot off barefoot um and trying to go from like norwegian household to norwegian household and having them hide him and they can't take him to a doctor he's getting gangrene like all this stuff and um I'm thinking, my God, like, this is so, t- like, I, this is insane. And the, they actually, the movie shortened what happened to him. He was on, what they did is, um, there was, this is more backstory and to my point, but, like, this is kind of the interesting part, is, like, he, they were going to put him up on the top of a Norwegian mountain so that the English could come and get him and take him over into uh Swedish border, right? And the, a snowstorm, uh, kept the English from going and getting him. So he was in a wood box. Or no, no, he was under a rock um, with a blanket in sub-zero temperatures for 27 days on top of a Norwegian mountain waiting for the English to come and get him. Because they were like, oh, we're going to take you. You're only going to have to stay. The Norwegians were like, we'll take you up there. You stay there for two nights, and then the English will be there. Snowstorm hits a month later, right? And he and a month later, they come and get him. And he is he's got like you know, pencil shavings to eat, essentially. Well, and through all of this, I'm li- I'm thinking, man, the only fucking right we have is to not be ruled tyrannically. That's what I was like. The human spirit is in... And this is probably something that's been lost in a lot of our bullshit politics, but, like, I think the human spirit has uncanny endurable... In, is uncannily endur- endurable? Durable. Um, and I think that the only rights that we should have should be to not be ru- be ruled by a tyrant. And that's where I realized, like, I don't think healthcare is a right. I don't think a living wage is a right. I think you go and find these things and you, you, you need to ensure them, but I don't, I'm not necessarily sure they're a right. Like, and so that's a little bit my challenge is like, and I'm not convinced of that view. It just, it just dawned on me. Like we talk about our rights, like gun rights, you know, Freedom of speech, all, all that stuff can be taken away by someone who thinks they know better for what our nation is, right? And um, health, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness—is that what it is? Health. Pretty sure. I don't think that's right, Coach. Coach. Life, liberty, and happiness. Life, liberty. Which life? Health. Be healthy. Yeah. Yeah. Liberty, not ruled by a tyrant. Right. But I mean, and part of not being ruled by a tyrant is. Freedom of speech, right to have arms. At least that's how it's interpreted in this right, country because right. that's the right to rebel. Yeah. And pursuit of happiness is the opportunities to better your position. Yeah. Right? Um, but I would say that life, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, life is, is so like, I think there's ensuring that life stays on its, you know, there's being healthy and then there's 
staving off sickness, right, or, or repairing. Um, and I think that is, you know, when you think about life, there's nuance there. So life is, obviously, you need health to live. So if you got laid off in the pandemic and you get cancer, should you have the right to get health insurance? I don't know. I think you should. Maybe. We're a rich enough country, enough rich people. Yeah. Um, Just have Brandon pay for it. Yeah. Uh, so I don't, I don't know the answer to that. Like, I, I, I think that there's a, do you think your health insurance, the thing that can keep you healthy in case of an accident, you get a car crash, you need health insurance. Should that be tied to your employment, which is at will of your employer at any time they could remove you from a position. They could lay you off. You have to go somewhere else, which may not offer as good or any health insurance. Yeah. That seems like a problem because of how expensive healthcare is in this country. Now, maybe you could say, well, if healthcare was, you know, a thousand times cheaper, maybe you don't need to have health insurance. And I'd say, yeah, I think that's a good argument. Mm-hmm. But for the infrastructure we have in this country to get healthcare, you have to have insurance because it is too expensive for any normal person to have any sort of moderate amount of treatments done. Like a surgery would bankrupt. 90% of this country yeah. if they had to pay for it out of pocket. Oh, yeah. My, my father-in-law shattered his elbow on a bike ride, and it cost $100,000. Yeah. How many people have $100,000 just in cash? Huh. Uh, something like 50% don't have $400? $400. Yeah, that they could just spend on an unexpected bill. Yeah. So it, it, it seems like a problem. It seems like something that our country should be able to fix. Uh-huh. I don't disagree. We, we take care of all the older people who have retired and their health care with, right. with Medicare and Medicaid. Yeah. Why does that have to be different for everyone else? I don't know. I don't know, wh- I don't know why those decisions were made. I know that they were made because they're, you know, we're living yeah. through it. But if I had to guess, it's because um, that's how employers wanted it or the health insurance companies wanted it. Right. Some lobbyist made that decision a long time ago. Right. Um. Yeah, I mean, it's a system that, so uh, there's, a, there's a really interesting um, talk. There's a guy named Yaron Brook, and he's part of the, he's the head of the Ayn Rand Institute. And he talks about how, like, in every sector, costs should go down. But the ones where government interferes the most is where costs go up. Everything should follow the supply-demand curve. And everything does except for healthcare and education. Right. And he's like, those are the two that... Are, are the most regulated. I don't think that's the reason because there's many other heavily regulated industries that are not suffering from those problems. Like what? Um, Agriculture is heavily regulated. How and when you can apply fertilizers that feed into the land, how you can take care of your land. It's also subsidized. Yeah. Well, a lot of healthcare and stuff is subsidized too. Right. Like that's just, you know, policing, federal prisons, a lot of those things are subsidized and, uh, heavily monitored, and the, they, they don't, don't have the same type of bloat. I don't understand the causal mechanism behind what would make them so... You know, I'm not I'm not propping up my own argument. I'm, I'm actually chipping away at it. It's like, for, what is it that makes it so expensive? For education, I feel like I have a pretty good explanation, but for healthcare, I don't. Right. Well, there's no pricing transparency. I don't know what I'm buying when I, you know... For, for healthcare, the only thing I can think of is that every hospital is in competition with each other, and so they spend money that they wouldn't need to spend. They got to cover their costs. Every hospital needs all of the same type of specialists, all the same type of specialty equipment because they're all competing for the patients. 
Whereas if hospitals were allowed to specialize, then they all could specialize and not have to worry about losing potential income from patient pools. So it's literally a situation where the free market does the reverse. Yeah. I mean, I don't think certain things should be driven by the free market. And keeping people alive is one of those things that I don't think the free market should have a a role in. Yeah. Hmm. Because at this point, it's like, who has the right to live? Well, the richest people. Mm-hmm. Or the people with the best insurance. Is that right? Is that, how, is that the society we want to build? I mean, the people who have the most money have the most value to live. Or have the most, I don't know. I mean, already if you have the most money, you can have the most luxurious life. The best things, the nicest things, the best education. But then also, you know, your health is a mm. big part of that too. Mm. It, it doesn't seem right. You're already rewarded enough. Maybe. I don't know. So for next time, what time is it? It's it. We need to wrap it up. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Okay. We're gonna take away Ryan's health insurance for him and his family, right. and we'll see how he feels about it. Right. Thank you. Thank you. I'll just sit in a. I'll just sit in a room for until I get until uh, Medicare for all. Sounds good. Okay. Until next time. On that note, see you. Thanks for subscribing to the Two Idiots Podcast. Uh, Make sure to like, comment, and what else? Shoot it out of a cannon? uh, Bash it? Like, drag it through the mud? I I don't know. You do what you want with it, okay? Look it up. It's fun. It's We try to have fun here. New episodes every Thursday. New episodes every minute of every Thursday. Every day. One of the minutes of every Thursday. 100% every Thursday. 100% of one of the minutes every Thursday. 100%. Thanks. Bye.